Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm reminded of the Anchorman phrase when they go, wow, that escalated quickly <laughs> when I was watching the Rays. I left the TV to go to my kitchen um, and have some dinner. Not not a lot of dinner, just you know, quick meal. And I swear to you, by the time I got back, they had scored like 12 runs. <laughs> when I say they, of course, I mean the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, wait a minute. Wait 20 a minute, to wait. 1. I thought you could see the TV from your kitchen, unlike Tom Jones. Well, that's I actually can. It was uh, let me let me clarify. I, <laughs> if I had turned the TV on in the kitchen, I could have seen it, no problem. I merely just did, decided not to bring that said game with me and, and left it in in the other room. Well, that was a good call. Um, so there was yeah, there was no TV because <laughs> uh, they were losing badly, but not that badly. My goodness, twenty to one. 20 to 1. Now, now in, are... in all fairness, nine of those runs were off Luke Rayleigh and Christian Bethany. Yes. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was an awful Even game. So. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, <laughs> I it's know. the worst loss in race history. But, like I said, nine of yeah. those runs were given up by position players. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It just, I, I get that. I really, I do, and I think it's, I think it's almost tragic that you get into these games where, where you, you raise the white flag, right, and you're basically going to go out there. And there, there's actually got, I think nowadays, isn't there a rule where you have to be trailing by a certain amount to use a position player? To you pitch? have to be trailing by eight runs, mm-hmm. and you can use a position player. If you're in the lead, you cannot use a position player till the ninth inning, and you have to be up by ten runs or more. So they definitely were within their rights to not use another pitcher. I mean, I get that. Yeah, I was like, surprised. I was surprised Toronto used a pitcher in the ninth inning. That's true. Up twenty to one. I'm surprised they didn't the guy, put a position player in just to save an arm for an inning. Somebody just needed work or something. But yeah. It, listen, I mean, it, all the cliches were applicable, right? Like you flush this one, you know. Hey, we win tomorrow. We're, we're, you know, we win this series. We win three out of four from the Blue Jays. Hey, counts as one loss. Like, oh, that's true. And yet, it's embarrassing. Like, there's something about it. Is just like you see that score, and what was it, like twenty seven. They had as many outs. The Toronto Blue Jays did. They made as many outs as they had hits. They had twenty seven. They hits. set a franchise record with twenty seven hits. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> to be honest with you, like. That whole facing guys that, you know, throw 50 from the mound. Mm-hmm. As a hitter, like, that's really hard to do. Like, I was well, impressed that Toronto was as, as disciplined and as been, and well, covered the play. Well, Vlad Guerrero Jr. struck out the first time. Well, he did. And then he hit one. <laughs> yeah, then he got a revenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, you know, I'm watching Bo Bichette, and, you know, he's taking one off the ground to right field for a base hit. Here's the thing. You don't want to just give up outs. Like, that would be the most frustrating thing, right? They got some guy on the mound. Who's just out there, you know, throwing fifty, and you're like, you know what? This is this is an easy easy out or an easy hit for me, and I'd rather take the hit. Um, and of course, Toronto, 
you know, they're capable of doing that to any pitcher. And this is the thing. Taj Bradley started this game. I didn't think he pitched that bad. I mean, mm. you know, he he had kind of a rough first inning, which frankly he he mitigated by getting out of it with just one run, struck out three. His pitch what happened was I think his pitch count went up. And so he wasn't able to really, you know, go very deep. Lady pitches um, in four of innings. innings. Yeah. And that's that's not what you want to do. He had been a real strike thrower. But they kind of you He know, wasn't getting he, ahead he, in counts. No, he was missing. And I th- I also think um you know, control has been a little bit of an issue since he came back and when he went down to Durham it was a bit, a bit of an issue. But they were kind of sitting on his fastball. Like when he mm-hmm. when he was up the first time, first couple times, like he was getting strike one with well-located fastballs. You know, as Joe Madden said, there's no better pitch than a well-located fastball. And and Taj can throw it up there pretty well. But, yeah, it was just, um, you know, he's missing and getting behind. And, um, you know, once he, once he got out of trouble, I thought he did well. And then he gives up, he gives up the home run. Um, and that can happen to anybody, especially against Toronto. But then, man. Yeah, even the home a, run pitch, I didn't think it was a bad pitch. It wasn't. It really wasn't. I mean, up 0-2, maybe you want that a little higher to make him go mm-hmm. chase since you're up 0-2. Mm-hmm. It was a high fastball he caught up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, Taj didn't pitch bad. He just, like, I know the first time through the order he had three first pitch strikes. Mm-hmm. That's not, not good. He got behind. Yeah. No. That's not good. And then he started pitching backwards because they were sitting on the fastball, which Toronto does. So he yes. was throwing a lot more off speed than normal, and I, I just don't. He wasn't able to to get ahead in counts and and get control of the count. Right. I mean, where they lost it was it was it Birdie? Yeah, Birdie? Zach Birdie. Oof. Who after Tosh Bradley only goes four innings, you're probably hoping for five for him tonight. But he only goes right. four because he's at eighty pitches. You bring mm. Zach Birdie in, you're already down what four nothing, I think, at that point. And you're probably hoping Zach can get you at least two innings. Mm-hmm. Well, he went what thirty seven, thirty eight pitches in one inning. Give up, up a lot runs, of runs, yeah, yeah. You know, at that point, now all of a sudden, now you're five innings through two pitchers who you'd hope probably to get you through seven. Mm-hmm. You're only through five innings, and you've got a huge deficit, which is why Luke Rayleigh and then Christian Bethencourt came in and pitched late. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, a lot of those early hits too. Toronto was getting was just. They're hitting him just just over the the shortstop's head or just beyond the the the, the fielder. I mean, it, you know, the one that a ton of hard hit. That, I mean, Toronto was hitting them where they weren't. It's what you're supposed to. It's what good teams can do. But Zach Birdie was pretty bad. And even Kevin Cash, you know, the post game was like, yeah, that was rough. And, and here's the thing, I I know that Tyler Glasnow is going to pitch what Saturday. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. Yeah, that that will certainly help them assuming he throws the way he has and his rehab starts and everything checks out and he's able to go, you know, fairly deep into games going forward and all that. I mean, it's it's definitely going to, you know, replace what they've lost, you know, with Springs and some others in, in, mm-hmm. in the starting rotation. And that should save, presumably, a good part of your bullpen and then, you know, then that, that should carry through. I, I just don't know that it's enough. Um, I, I see guys like Birdie, I see... I see names coming out of there that are just not mm-hmm. they're just not the same quality of, of arms and we've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, they don't have that stable of guys as Kevin Cash used mm-hmm. to say that can throw ninety five and 
I don't know when that's coming. Um, there's no one in Durham, frankly, that's that's going to help them uh, do that or accomplish that necessarily. You're waiting Maybe for Sean Patino. Armstrong. You're waiting for Andrew Kittredge. That's it. Tyler Glass really now, it. your hope is you're going to have more leads coming out of your starting pitcher than being down. Sure. And That'll eating some innings. Bullpen. I mean, Zach Birdie's not your A bullpen. You're not bringing him in with a one-run run, one lead unless you've got nobody else. No. I mean, he's the guy no, that, not. you know, he's one of those guys you're down four runs mm-hmm. in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. and he's the one coming in. Now, you'd mm-hmm. like him to show better than he did tonight. And, you know, based on the performance and Kevin Cash's comments, he might be on the shuttle to Durham and somebody else coming up at this point, you know, just to let him work on things and, and figure things out because it was a rough outing. But, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think – I think with the exception of a couple teams in baseball, no one's happy with their bullpens. I think I think Houston's got a good bullpen. I think Baltimore I think does, although Baltimore Bautista gave up a game-tying home run to Aaron Judge in the ninth tonight. Well, the thought is that Baltimore might be overusing their bullpen. Well, that's possible too. Uh, even even though they have two really, mm-hmm. I mean, two you know exceptional uh, relievers down there, mm-hmm. but they may be relying on them a little too much, and that can happen as well when yep. you have too much of a good thing. Um, yeah, you're right, and everybody's looking for the same thing, and there's just not a, an abundance of it out there. It, it it seems to me that the Rays organization was always deeper especially at Durham, than they are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there were guys that could come up and go down um, that look different than the ones that they're bringing up now. And they may just have to live with this. I mean, they may just have to slug their way, you know, through it. Um, you're, you're right, Baltimore lost a game. I mean, despite as well as the Rays have played. But that was only – here's the thing that's stupid, right? We're sitting here. It is May 23rd as we do this mm-hmm. podcast or tape it. Um and that was their fifth loss at home. <laughs> it's already almost June, you know? So uh, not to pick Nick's. Well, like I'll give you every, one more. Tonight game. was the 50th game of the season. It was really the second wow. game that you could say they were blown out in and not, not really competitive in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two games out of 50. I'll take that. Yeah. Definitely they, they, they had that. the 8-1 loss in Cincinnati in the first game there. Right. And that game was close for a few, and he's got away in the middle. But that and tonight's game are the two games all season you can say wasn't really competitive that you you know pretty much felt by midway through the game you had no shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what, six to seven of those all season? Right. If you extend that out, if that, you know, the pace continues, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, absolutely. No, is- no issues with that. I mean, you know, those games are going to happen. To be honest, a game like this once a month, which is what essentially the Rays have done at this point, is a lot easier than blowing a game late in the ninth, giving up well, a late that lead. In, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've you know, had that happen in, in New York, and it was it's terrible. It's easier to just go, ah, forget that game. But there seems to be a thread to this season, and that is, you know, most nights they're going to score runs. You know, most nights, I mean, they've been mm-hmm. averaging close to seven runs a game. We know they lead in almost every offensive category. We need the home runs are there, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the common thread seems to be, do they have enough? Not so much even with the starting pitching, although there are those nights when they have to put the bullpen together. But are they just going to be able to, you know, 
outscore their opponents? Are they, are, you know, are they going to be able to hold a lead? And mm-hmm. and it's mostly it's mostly the bullpen. Um, and and you know, again, I don't know that the numbers would suggest that they're really bad down there, but they're really bad down there. Is it just not the confidence isn't there yet? In, in some of the group of guys that they've had. And they've had all the injuries, and mm-hmm. Fairbanks has been in and out and all of that. And you're right, they're waiting on Kittredge. Maybe those guys come up, get healthy, and, and that settles it. You know, maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. I just don't know. We've always said this. Pitching and defense should not go in a slump. But there will come a time when they're not going to hit like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it would stand to reason they're not going to have six guys with 30 home runs now currently <laughs> you might have seven or eight um but it would just stand the reason that over 162 games it's going to even out a little bit on the offense but but you don't you know pitching and defense is, is what this franchise has been built on and they certainly are playing good defense mm-hmm. and so really it just comes down to you know can they can they hold it together and i think it'd be unrealistic to think they're not going to have more injuries too on on their pitching staff i mean that you got a long way to go. You've mm-hmm. got an awful lot of innings to chew up. Um, you know, what happens if, you know, what happens if you lose a McClanahan? I mean, they've already lost two mm-hmm. big starters in their rotation, and you're getting one back in glass now. So, okay, that's you're down one still. But um, I, I've got to believe, and, I've got to believe that Eric Neander, Peter Bendix, and that. Look, as you get closer to June and in July. You're gonna see them make some deals. Yeah, I mean this is this is a year you go all in. Has to be right. You know, and and as you get to June and July, you'll have more teams that are going. We're out of this race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I mean, right now, let's take the the Cleveland Guardians, Mm twenty one and twenty seven, four thirty eight winning percent. They're three and a half games out of the division. Yeah, still in it. They're still in in it. Yeah. The Chicago Cubs, 21 and 26, four and a half games out. Mm-hmm. And and for the wild card, uh, they're less than that out. They're, what, three games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, nobody's out. San Francisco's yeah. 24 and 24, half game out of the wild card. You know, right, right now, there's no trades to be made because – you know, outside yeah, of Oakland and Kansas City, mm-hmm. those may be the only two teams you would say are definitively out of it. Everybody else is within four and a half games of the wild card at this point. Yeah. Well, no, I guess Cleveland and, and Chicago White Sox aren't, but they're they're closer to the division than the wild card. So, but if you can see five hundred from where you're at right now, mm-hmm. then you have a chance. Yeah. You know, because because it's again, it's not even June. It's not Memorial Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're coming up on that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. These teams are not ready to deal and consider themselves done to their fan bases and everybody else. I think they'll clearly look for help. They'll probably get it. They'll have to give up something to get it, but this is the year you do it. And of all years, you know, as hot as they've been, they've got the Mm -hmm. Baltimore Orioles that are nearly just as hot. Um, and the whole American League East for that matter, uh, is on fire relative to every other division. Yeah. The American League East all five teams are above 500. Right. Matter of fact, all five teams would lead the AL Central if they were in that division. <laughs> but their winning percentage against teams not in the AL East, 
and the exception of Boston and Anaheim, who is playing right now as we talk. So it'll go up or down a little bit. The winning percentage is 660. They're winning two out of every three games against everybody else. I mean, I and I think this still holds. I heard this stat the other day that, like, if you just took the, the East against all non-East teams, mm-hmm. every team in the division would have a winning percentage that would gain them about 110 wins a season. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's how that's how strong this division is relative to the others, and they don't play each other uh, as much. So there's even more mm-hmm. games against teams outside the division than there normally would be. Look, Toronto has sort of hurt themselves deeply because they can't win in the division, and the other teams are, you know, around 500 or better against each other. They're all kind of knocking each other yeah, off. They're six and thirteen in the division, right? And that that that's, that puts them upside down. You know, like mm-hmm. they're seven games behind. So you know that that's how strong. I mean, look, there'll be. I would think there would be at least, wouldn't you, Steve? Three teams. Uh, in the AL East, it's probably going to make the playoffs? Three, yes. I think, you know, Texas and Houston. I mean, if the playoffs started today, mm-hmm. uh, Texas would win the, the, the West. Tampa would mm-hmm. win the East. Baltimore would be the top wild card. The Yankees would be the second wild card. And Houston would be the third wild card. Okay. Boston and so Toronto three, would not make it. Three teams right now mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a chance, depending on how it all pans out. Yep. but. That that's how good it is. I mean, and the East has always been sort of the best division in, in, for a long time in the mm-hmm. American League. American League, so nothing's really changed there. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think we just proved tonight that the Rays are done cheating. <laughs> well, and they did, and they and they couldn't cheat at home. That's that's the startling thing, because you would think that that's where they're really cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they. It's almost as if. Toronto knew what was yeah. coming with those 50-mile-an-hour fastballs. Yeah. Did uh, you see this shirt that uh, Luke Rayleigh was wearing? Oh, it's great. I think it's great. The Tampa Journeyman. Yeah. Hello. All the quotes. Yeah, hello. All the, all the quotes that uh, from WFAM about those guys, him and Taylor Walls coming back to haunt them. I think I would – I mean, I think it's great they embrace that. They make fun of it. They have fun with it. Um. Assuming they're not cheating, of course. But uh no, that that's you know, and, and you know what else? Like and this has always killed me about professional athletes, but it doesn't matter because we've seen the Tom Brady's and the Michael Jordans, like they'll invent stuff if they don't really have a, a an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. But that stuff matters. You know, like that like you would think like you're you're motivated enough, it's your livelihood you know, you're competitive enough. And yet, even for guys at the highest level, having the best of years, if you give them, and and they take it from anywhere, right? It can be from another team. It can be from a a writer. It can be, in this case, from uh, talk radio. They'll take whatever there is and and try to use that as fuel. And I think it's great. Uh, and, And, you know, have fun have some of it's fun some of it's some of it's just you know chip on the shoulder time mm-hmm. um so yeah it's cool that they're that they're sort of embracing that uh but you know all those guys including luke and taylor and, and they're gonna come back down to earth some you know i don't think they're gonna hit 45 home runs but you know that remains to be seen but yeah what what a start for them uh but man, 
<laughs> I couldn't believe when I went back in, in my room where I do have a TV and the kitchen was off that I looked up there and I went, wait a minute, is that a 20 to 1? 20 to 1? You just you see lopsided scores sometimes, but not not plus 19. Like that was. Well, the worst in race history, the previous worst, was a 22 to 4 loss in 2002 in Boston. Woof. It was game one of a doubleheader. <laughs> that would suck. The Rays won yeah. the second game, though, 5-4. to four. Well, there, see, there you go. But in that 22-4 to four loss, the Rays had a 4-0 lead after two innings. Well, that's even harsher. And then gave up 10 runs in the third, six in the fourth, and then, you know, six more throughout the game. But Would you be in favor, because I know they have these rules where you can't use position players unless you trail by so much mm-hmm. or you're ahead by so much. Would you be in favor of a mercy rule in Major League Baseball? It's funny words, you ask that because we got a mailbag question. Oh, okay. From Rooting for UF, who said, serious question. If a team's got to put a position player on the mound, essentially waving the white flag, why mm-hmm. play the remaining innings? Call the game and avoid absurdities like we had last year with Fernando Tatis. I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, baseball has made a lot of changes of late. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, they've been positive. Now, we'll see if the pitch clock is leading to more arms getting hurt. We'll see if, you know, there's not enough data to really tell you Mm -hmm. what the ramifications of all these changes are. But for the most part, they've been well-received by players, by fans. The games are quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, I would think scoring is probably up. Mm -hmm. The, The bigger bases has led to more stolen bases, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And one of the bigger changes over the last couple of years has been the, the uh, extra inning rules with the ghost runner. You know, you start with a, what we used to call a Texas tiebreaker, start with a runner at second uh, in extra innings. So the games don't presumably go 20 innings. I even like that rule, even though it's not baseball. I, I like, like it rule. too. I like it too. I, I don't need a 17-inning game. No. And, and so all that being said, if you're going to do that, if you're going to take a normally very competitive game, in this case a tie game, and you go to extras and you're going to put a runner on second base to try to end it quickly, then why not end it quickly if you're up by, name the score, right? Up by seven, up by eight, um, well, whatever let, let it me, is, let after, me... seven in, after seven innings. Okay. So just say, you know, mercy rule, if you're up by eight after seven, something like that. I I get where you're coming from, and I, I'm not opposed. But let's say, let's say you used a lot of pitchers the last two days. You're down five in the seventh inning. Yeah. Hey, uh, bullpen guy, groove one in there. Let him hit it over. We want to end this game. <laughs> I, we don't want to play the last two our, innings. We want to save our bullpen. Yeah. So you have the mercy pitcher, but he's really a pitcher, and I mean, he's got to take it on the chin for the team. You know, who's to say that wouldn't happen? I mean, now you're talking about tanking, you know. Well, but it's about, hey, I want to save the arms for tomorrow in the next game because we don't have an off day for another two weeks, and our pitching mm-hmm. staff's beat up right now. But in a way, and I know he was mm-hmm. a bullpen guy, he's an actual pitcher, in a way, don't you kind of do that when you're way behind anyway? Like you throw the sacrificial guy who's about to be DFA'd. He's there for the day. 
Or he's on the drone. Well, sure, but you're not telling him to groove one and give it up so we can end the game early. You're you want him to th- go out there and throw strikes and pitch. Right, but when I'm, yeah, I mean, if you're saying, well, we're so close to getting to that. I mean, you, I mean, right now you need him to get out. And... You need him to get out, not give up runs, so mm-hmm. that we can just call the game after seven and go home. Right. I mean, I'm not. I mean, a, I I, guess, I'm not opposed to. You. I'm just. I'm playing the devil's advocate. I mean, I guess of, if you have a real pitcher out there who decides to mm-hmm. groove one and they hit it out, I feel better about it than if you're out there, you know, throwing a guy that's throwing fifty. Well, and based you know on the I mean? rules, if you were down five, you couldn't throw a position player. I mean, that's the current right. rules. So now, my you have point to be down is, eight, my so, point yeah. is, if you can convince a guy out of the bullpen to go out there and and you know mm-hmm. do his usual. You know whatever whatever stuff he has, and if he catches too much plate and they hit it out, or you're saying, "Hey, just groove one in there." I'm not so sure. First of all, I don't know that anybody would know, and secondly, it's not a guarantee that they're going to hit those balls out if he's throwing ninety. You know, so I, yeah, I maybe guess, the catcher is going, "Hey, here's old number well, one." <laughs> he thank me later. Crash, you, you thank turns me later. Turns into Crash Davis. When you speak of me, speak well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then when he hits it, damn, that should have had a stewardess on it, that damn thing. <laughs> Run, you idiot. I gave you a gift. You told him what was coming, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> Don't shake me off. Um, I, I guess I feel better about that if it's just a real pitcher getting racked out mm-hmm. there for the final two game, two runs. Could that happen? Yeah. Would I feel better than this? This. I mean, I don't know how many pitchers show. would actually go out there and try to let someone hit it off them because it's ultimately well, their ERA, their arbitration well, the th- hearing, their and, and, stats, their contract. Right. There. And furthermore, can you imagine the manager that says that? You know, that says, "Hey, big yep. guy, we're sending you down. Just go out there and groove a couple so we can get out of here." Mm-hmm. I, I, I think at that point you'd have a real problem in your clubhouse. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think Kevin Cash or anybody else would ever say that. I just think that if you're going to have a ghost runner, if you're going to do these things, then just eliminate the position players. They're already trying to, right? They're always trying to limit the use of the, of those guys. You know, you mentioned how many runs you have to trail by or lead by before you can use a non-pitcher on the mound. So they're kind of there in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. They're trying to eliminate the use of non-pitchers yeah. because of what happened in a 20 to 1 game. And by so the seventh, beer say, sales are cut off, so you know you're okay there. So <laughs> right. you're, not hurting, so, you're not in the pocketbook. Eight runs. I'm going to say eight runs after seven is the mercy rule. Is what I would. That's what I would call it. Eight runs after seven. I mean, eight runs. You know what I mean? I mean it's, it, it's almost like a rain out. I mean, you know, it got it got it got you know called yeah, after seven game. innings of rain. I mean, yeah, it's official. Yeah. It's an official game. I mean, those other guys. In as much as they can maybe fatten their batting average, they don't they don't want to go up there against guys that, that are throwing fifty, you know, because you also look bad. Um, they would rather just, you know, call it a win and mm-hmm. then, then come back the next day and you know, and make it look like baseball. I, I, I think you might as well do that because if you're gonna shorten games when they go overtime, so to speak, or extras, you might as well shorten games that are so lopsided that you know you're not coming back in the last two innings. Um, I like it. Let's do so, it. Let's I change think, it. Okay. So, so it is written. So it is done. Commissioner Stroud. There you go. In my world, my perfect baseball world, that's what we're going to do from now on to avoid 20 to 1, man. Holy cow. That's a bad score. All right. We're going to talk about the Bucks and their first, I guess you would call, organized team activity workout. And they've been over there in phase one, phase two, whatever this, whatever phase we're in now. Um, they actually look like football practice, and I was there and tell you about it. But first, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. It's May. 
Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area for 13 years now. Uh, there's a lot of these fly-by-night companies out there, but May Electric is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the May difference if you visit the Hudson Showroom. May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. They're going to customize it to your needs, and they don't use subcontractors. That's important. All those guys up there hammering in those solar panels, those are Billy Mays guys that are doing the job. Start saving today, right now. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, got to see a little bucks. I guess you would, well, it's, it's OTAs. Really, it looks like minicamp and shorts and helmets, to be honest with you. Not much will change even as they get to the mandatory minicamp. But this was 11-on-11 football at some point. And we got to see Shake and Bake. Shake and Baker Mayfield, baby. Uh, him and Kyle Trask were alternating reps. Baker got the first reps with the first unit, I guess you would say. And a um, couple, couple takeaways from it. Okay, number one, this is not any offense that we've seen the last three years. And it shouldn't be, right, because it's Dave Canales' offense uh, who came from Seattle and he brought a lot of inspiration that uh, was actually from the Rams when he was out there. I two two things. One, and, and this might have just been what they were working on and what they were installing. And they're they're very early in the install period when it comes to the offense. I mean, they don't even really have a actual playbook yet, from what I understand. But they had enough to practice, and nearly every play, okay, um, kind of have kind of has a base sort of look to it where it's it's outside zone blocking right whether it's a run or a pass and as a result of that what you see almost every play uh particularly on pass plays is the bootlegs the misdirection the waggles and quarterbacks throwing on the run throwing rhythm throws mostly short throws i'm not saying they don't throw it down the field because they do um but they're 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 quick. They're to the tight ends. They're to the running backs, and then outside receiver. I mean, they use the they use the whole field. Um, but it's a totally, and I mean, shockingly different approach to offense than what we've seen since Bruce Arians got here back in what 2019. I mean, this is to the senses when you look at it, you go, "Wow, that's different," and. You know, not that they, they've reinvented offense because they haven't. It's been used in a lot of places and still being used. Um, teams will have to prepare differently when they play the Bucks now. You know, th- this is something they haven't seen in Tampa Bay. Oh, by the way, it's perfectly suited for Baker Mayfield. Now, I, I will tell you this, and again, you know, what do I know? I'm watching practice and, you know, you've got 11 guys against 11 guys at some point. Um, Kyle Trask looked pretty good. You know, what I remember about Kyle Trask in practices these last, these previous two years was he just didn't have enough me to you throws. In other words, he didn't complete enough balls in my opinion. And 
his stats would show that when he did get a chance to play. But just in preseason, same thing. Um, seemed like even against air, you know, he would make the occasional, you know, dirt throw, so to speak. Pretty different, you know, pretty accurate, uh, pretty good movement. Even, you know, you don't think of Kyle as being a guy um, who's anything other than a pocket passer, but his feet have gotten better and he's made himself a little, you know, a little more mobile. But there's no question that, you know, Mayfield is a good tick and a half higher um, because of his experience, because of, of his pedigree, because of his arm strength. I mean, his arm is is probably the best one out there. And it's not probably, I think it is. And so he looked he looked very, very good. And you can tell he's done a lot of work and, and, and you know, he, he's, you know, picked up at least enough to go out there and execute at a pretty high level. They they looked they looked good. I mean it was you know, not a long practice. I don't know how many plays they ran. Um and and I'll say this about attendance. I don't know that I would be disappointed if I was Todd Bowles. He doesn't act like he is, certainly. And he keeps reminding everybody that it's voluntary. But the only the, the veterans that were there predominantly are guys that they need to be there, right? On defense, we're talking about Joe Tryon Shawinka. Needs to be there. You know? Um, you're talking about you know, some of the backup linebackers, right? KJ Britt. Um now the ones that were there that were like you, you noticed, were Chris Godwin. I I didn't know that we would see Chris Godwin. Now, Mike Evans, I guess, was in last week, so he did some work on the field. He wasn't there when we were there on Tuesday, and I don't know when he's coming back. Um, but Godwin was there, and, you know, a year ago, Godwin was just rehabbing his knee. He he barely, you know, barely was ready in training camp and, and did manage to start against Dallas. But he just said, like, look, it's a new offense I want to learn, and plus I enjoy. You know, this is something I missed a year ago. Um, The tight ends are there. Kate Otten is there. Uh, Offensive line, predominantly Tristan Werfs, who's trying to learn left tackle. Offensive line was intact with the exception, and I don't think it's a small thing, no Ryan Jensen. Okay, so Robert Hainsey was playing center again. Um, And then the linebackers, yes, Devin White stayed away. Uh, he wants to be traded. Nothing seems to have changed on that front. And Levante David wasn't there. Now, does Levante David need to go to OTAs? Probably not. You know, I mean, he's 33 years old. And then another part of me, I remembered this too, um, because there's a lot of guys, you know, not as many, but there's still a number of guys from the Super Bowl team. If you recall, Steve, like Tom Brady was very anti-OTA. He was he was outspoken against it. He thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world. He's like, what other sport? Like, you're actually playing, you know, kind of full-speed football. Um, maybe there's not hitting involved. But, like, do you ask your pitchers to go out there and throw 95 in December or in November? That was sort of what he, he, he mm-hmm. the equivalent was to him. And I wonder, I really do wonder this. With the veteran players, because like guys like Carlton Davis wasn't there and Jamel mm-hmm. Dean wasn't there, 
I wonder if some of those guys aren't looking at that and remembering him sort of leading that charge and saying, hell no, I'm not going out there. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, we're in May, you know? I don't need to be there. Well, and, and, and on the defensive side, I mean, it's going to be essentially the same defense. Yeah, there'll be tweaks, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it, they're not, you know, the offensive side, expect more of those guys to be there because you're installing yes, a new I, offense, a new offensive I coordinator, a new quarterback, be. et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Jensen, I wonder, look, I mean, he played in the playoff game against Dallas, but he wasn't 100%. No. Is he, he 100% well. right now? I don't know. And, and if not, knows. that may be why he's, there could be a reason why he wasn't there today. Mm-hmm. Very well, um, could be. you know it may, it may be precautionary in that regard. Although you could still be there and not practice. Yeah. I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers do that with the Jets. There were several guys out there on on um, on Tuesday that were not practicing, right. but were still there. You know, for one reason or another, you mostly injury, they couldn't go. Um, I would say fifty five ish, sixty at the top end. They had out of ninety players. Mm-hmm. That's not what Todd Bowles was talking about when he said, well, we've had 90-something percent attendance. Now, you know, they weren't into the actual on-field, you know, full squad stuff until until Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So so maybe there's been guys. And here's the other thing. Like, you know, they only, they only work three or four days a week, and we only get to see them one out of every four. So it's not like – not every guy comes every day. Like you know, Mike. Like I said, Mike Evans was there last week. We don't know what he did. He could have thrown with Baker on the side or, or Kyle or whatever. Starting to learn the offense. They don't have a playbook yet. Um, so there's there's still plenty of time. But it, it you know, it, I just remember Todd Bowles talking at the end of the season. We need everybody here. We need to set a new culture. All this sort of stuff and. And and that's true. Now Godwin told us he goes, you know, I don't, you know without Tom here, I kind of look at Kyle and and Mayfield as like they're just the guys playing quarterback, right? It's not. We're just trying. I'm just trying to figure out what the offense is and do our job, and it doesn't matter who's back there. And you know, it, it's a different mentality. You know, with Brady, with Brady, I would say the urgency level, even even at this time of year, if he and he didn't come to OTAs. Um, towards you know the last mm-hmm. last two years, but with Brady it was sort of everybody was on it. You know, like nobody, you were here. You know, if Brady was here, you were here, and 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 the attention to detail. Um, no one wanted to disappoint him. The only thing, the only thing that mattered when Brady was here was was not just winning; it was winning a Super Bowl. Like what? You know, he's going to be 43, he's going to be 44, he's going to be 45. We have to win a Super We have a chance, and we have to win a Super Bowl. And so everybody was sort of, you know, high alert for everything. I don't sense the same urgency in this camp. That's probably unfair to say because I've been out there one day. Um, but there's a lot of teaching going on right now. And and there was when Tom was here the first year, remember, it was COVID, and he had to do a lot of that on his own. And the players mm-hmm. had to teach him the offense. But there just seems to be a different feel. It's a lot more relaxed, which may not be a bad thing, by the way. Um, but uh, generally, like, good energy. Canales is certainly a big energy guy. They certainly seem to like him. The offensive line seems to like this offense because 
when you're running outside zone, you know, they get to, they get movement on every play. Um, linemen like that, it's kind of a run look on every single play. Rashad White, you know, is, is the alpha running back. He's RB1 and he, you know, he looks quick and big and strong and is done every interview known to man. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives, but um, yeah, my takeaway was just sort of this is this is a different look. Pe- fans, when they when you get to see the Bucks this year, you'll be like, "Wow, that kind of looks like a lot of what we see in the NFL, right?" The the RPOs or the the movement, whether it's Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, and you can go right through it. Not that Mayfield and Kyle are going to run for a lot of yards per se, um, but they're certainly on the on the run. Um, Mayfield also was asked about you know. ESPN, I think the other day, had Tampa Bay ranked 30 in their power rankings. There's been other teams picking them uh, to finish pretty low. And uh, he's kind of chuckled about it and said, look, I I played in the division last year. I'm pretty sure the Bucks won it. And he just said, you know, I don't care what people in Vegas put the odds on because, well, it's May. You know, we haven't even played tackle football. Um, so, you know, it makes it fun. And, 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 you know, there's nothing to talk about this time of year. So, you know, but – what he likes, what he likes about this organization, and I don't, I don't know if he's referring to Carolina or you know when he's short stint with the Rams or before that the Browns. But he says, you know, everybody here is just about one thing. I love it. There's no BS. It's all about winning, and so it tells you that the culture that they have built over the last three years, it's still here. You know, like um, they believe they're going to win, and there's enough enough champions that know what's required to win. Um, so Baker, he's settling in. He's settling into the community. Um, seems relaxed. Has been here. You know, you got to remember, too, he hasn't had an off season for a while. Uh, two years ago, he's hurt. Last year, he had the late trade to Carolina. You know, they had the whole thing with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. So he's able to spend time with his teammates during a time that's critical, which is, you know, off-season work with with his with his 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 guys and so that's important ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, the Rays will continue their series against the Toronto Blue Jays. It'll be Sugar Shane McClanahan on the mound tonight to see if they can uh, take a series lead in that best of four. And uh, let's get, you know, send your mailbag questions. We had one tonight. We'll have more uh, throughout the week, I'm sure. Maybe one day we'll just do a whole mailbag. But you can do that by sending them to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.